Well, good morning. Was there taking up offering? I want to take you back in time with me for just a minute uh, to a time when our favorite TV shows didn't drop the entire season in one fail swoop. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you, uh, some of you could go back to a time when we used to call TV episodes programs. Anybody just call them a program like my grandparents call them programs? And sometimes I find myself saying that as well. And, uh, but there was a time, believe it or not, where you couldn't just blow through an entire season all in one sitting. And so you were left with this like cliffhanger. You were left with this like sense of anticipation for, okay, what's going to happen next episode? And it really was a crazy, crazy time. I can tell you that. And uh, I, I remember uh, those days where you'd have like that episode, that show that you'd watch. And it, they were always so good at just like leaving you just wondering what was going to happen next week, right? What was going to happen in that next episode? The worst was like the end of the season too. You remember like all the crazy stuff would happen. Like you were just like, what? Like, and then it would be like season over, you know, and you have to wait like three months to see what would happen. And then they would like tease you with this little thing where they would say, stay tuned for, you know, uh, scenes from our next episode or like next season or whatever. But like you just got this little teaser and that was it. It didn't really resolve anything. It just kind of made you uh, just want to, to tune in all the more. Now, uh, there was a time like that. Now, I remember when that all started to change was um, the first time you could ever really had like DVRs. So you could like, you know, if you were busy or whatever, you could like record your shows and kind of pile them up if you're bad at waiting, and just be like, all right, I'm going to hit them, you know, a few in a row or whatever it might be. And then they started, like, actually, I think, the, I can't remember which one came first, but I remember in college um, where they would have, like, you could buy the seasons on disc, and that was, like, the coolest thing ever. And uh, the first show that I remember doing that with was a little show called 24. Anybody remember this show? 20, like, Jack Bauer, 24, was, like, high. Jack Bauer, like, had the longest day of his life, like, over and over again. Like, this, this dude just, like, every week was, like, you know, and it was, like, it would capture, like, an hour of his life. And that, like, more happens in Jack Bauer's life in an hour than most of us in an entire lifetime, right? And so, but it was always, like, the end of the episode, you're like, I have got to know what happens. And the great thing about me being in college and having these seasons is when I was supposed to be going to the library, I just thought, well, we're going to watch the next one. Like, we, got, we have to, right? And so I can't, you know, tell you to do what I did because it certainly uh, wasn't the best option. But there was a time like that uh, when you would have to wait, right? And I'm bad at waiting. I don't know if any of you are bad at waiting, uh, but I'm really bad at waiting. And so uh, that sort of anticipation would, would kill me in the process. And as we kind of tee up this topic today, as we're talking about staying tuned, when you think about the human story, when you really think about the story as recorded in the Holy Scriptures and this grand narrative that all of us um, are a part of, and all of us are a part of this greater story, it's as if Jesus, in this climatic moment, dies on the cross for our sins, raises from the dead, and then basically says, all right, stay tuned, you know, and see you later. We'll be back, you know, and that's like, now obviously I simplified it, right, <laughs> a little more to it than that, but essentially this was, is, and is kind of the moment that we're living in now is this moment of the stay tuned, right? The, the fullness of the episode has not uh, happened yet. We have scenes from the next episode. We know that it's coming. We know that at some point 
the glory will be finally revealed, but right now we find ourselves in the staying tuned sort of period. And so as we tee up this idea today, what I want to do for you is give you a definition of hope that goes like this. Hope is this. It's staying tuned to what God will do based on all that he has already done. Hope is staying tuned to what God will do based on all that he has already done. And I think that's a pretty good definition of what biblical hope looks like. It was Benjamin Franklin that once said, hope is an essential constituent of human life. It's necessary for all of us, but even more critical is where we place our hope. And so my question for you this morning is, where does your hope rest? Where have you placed your hope? It's been about a month ago now that I got conned into or invited into, I guess you could say, doing a triathlon. And uh, now, before you get all excited for me, it's only like a half triathlon. Some of you are like Ironmen and all this. Like I just, I'll, I'll, I'm going to give it a shot. And my, my goal is literally just to finish and to survive. Now, I'm fine with the running. I could go run a 5K right now. I'm fine with the biking because I'm so determined that I will pump my legs until they fall off. I don't care. But it's the swimming that I'm concerned about. I'm going to be honest with you. Maybe you can be praying for me. It's next week. And uh, the swimming, because I'm not a swimmer. I'm not built like a swimmer. Uh, this is not Michael Phelps up here. I can just tell you that right now. I, for me, it's, I should call it more surviving. It's not swimming. And uh, I will, I have, I'm determined to survive, but just barely, you know, because I'm out there and I'm like practicing. And so I've had to practice a little bit. I got a community center pass. I've gone up to the community center to practice my swim stroke. And I can't figure out the breathing, so I'm basically just like the turtle head is up the whole time. And I'm just like, you know, doing this in, to pure exhaustion. And I'm slapping the water. And I can't imagine what this looks like to the people around me. And I also have to admit that when there's like some older people in the lanes next to me, they don't know it, but we're racing. And uh, I'm like, I see you. And the problem is I have to give all of my effort to beat them in one lap. And I have to get 750 meters in, which is like, it's not a good idea. And so on all fronts, I'm not great at it. And uh, I was in there the other day. It was one of the first times I was going to try it. And I'm like, I'm getting 750 meters. I'm going to prove to myself. I'm not going to touch the wall. I'm going to like turn around in the middle, keep going back. So this is what I was doing. And uh, I'm telling you, it did not look pretty at all. And uh, I kind of at some point kind of looked over and I saw the lifeguard that was over there and she was like this teenage girl that probably weighed about as much as my right leg. And uh, I'm thinking to myself like, there is no hope for survival if I can't save myself, you know? Like, I am like, and she, I think, was starting to realize this too because she takes then and comes down and sits at the end of my lane as if that's going to help her. And she's just watching me tear through the water and like, she, I, I, you should get a walkie-talkie or something to, like, call for help. Like, you need a bigger person to pull me out of the water if I go down, trust me. But it was, like, it was a little demoralizing when this little teen, she's just sitting there with her little, like, red thing, you know. Like, maybe you can throw it to me. I, I don't know. We'll see uh, what happens. And so, you know, I'm out there. I'm doing this thing. But we both had the same realization, I think, and that that is if, if our hope was in her saving my life, it was not going to happen. Now, thankfully, she didn't need to, and I did okay, but I got a lot to learn when it comes to uh, swimming. Um, and here's the point that I want to make. I think there's a lot of things that we put our hope in that maybe we shouldn't. I think when we're really honest about the places where our hope rests, I think that a lot of those places tend to be insufficient in the long run. They all have their limits. 
And I think that um, there's a lot of places. Some of us, we would maybe put um, our, our hope in science. And, uh, and I think that science gives hope, but I don't think that science is ultimately the source of hope. Maybe you put your hope in someone that you know. There's this person that you have that you're like, I can count on that person no matter what. Like, this person is my person. They'll, whether it be a parent or somebody in your life or a family member or a friend or whatever it might be. And I think there's ultimate people that we can rely on, but humans have their limits. And we know this as much as we might even want to help. We can't always help. Maybe your hope rests in your own talents or abilities. You're like, hey, you know what, whatever it is that you're working on or doing, you, you tend to lean hardest on your own talents and abilities to get you there, your own determination. And that's ultimately, if you're really honest today, what is getting you through a certain season is just you relying on you. Maybe you have put your hope recently in policy change or political leadership, and, and ultimately it's in the politics of the day or the, uh, the, whatever the policies are of the day. And if it's going well, you're like, yay. And if it's not, you're, you don't have a lot of hope. Or maybe for you, it's, it's in your circumstances. You're like in some seasons, I'm very hopeful. And those just happen to be the seasons when everything's going really, really well. And you're like, yeah, I've got tons of hope. Like I, I'm super hopeful. But then things take an unexpected turn and you don't have all that much hope. Now, those things are all fine, but all of them are insufficient sources of hope. All of those things have their limit. And friends, I want to tell you this morning that there is only one place where hope never runs dry. And in the words of Isaiah the prophet, it says this, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those who put their ultimate hope in the Lord, will renew their strength. And so my prayer has been this morning is, depending on regardless of where you've come in from this week or what you've experienced or where life has you today, my hope for you this morning is that God would breathe a fresh breath of hope into you and that you might renew your strength. And this is ultimately the focus of Romans 8, which is where we're going to hang out today as we conclude uh, our state, uh, staycation series. And so sorry, we're, the series is over, the staycation is over, it's time to go back to school. But we're hopefully going to finish here on a strong note. Uh, so if you want to turn with me uh, to Romans 8, and I'm going to read a rather long section here of the text um, as Paul just breathes hope into each of us. It says this, starting in verse 18, for I consider that the suffering of this present time, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption, obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. 
For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have this first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it patient with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is there to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us then from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life nor death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all God's people said, amen. Well, that's all we really need. We could wrap it up right there. But let's talk about the promises that um, are laid out before us here that the Apostle Paul gives to the Romans, some things that we have to stay tuned for. Some reasons we have for hope. And the first is this. We stay tuned because we know that the best is yet to come. He says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You know, one of the things that I've been realizing is that um, as I get older, I do a lot more groaning. Anybody else, like, feel that? Like, I was like, and for no reason. Like, there used to be a reason. Like, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I twisted my ankle. That hurts. I'm groaning a little bit, you know. But now I just wake up in the morning, and it feels like the first thing out of my lungs is like, oh, you know. And I'm like, why do I hurt everywhere? Like, I slept funny, you know. Or you, like, tie your shoe wrong, and you're like, okay, my back's out for, like, three weeks. I don't understand it, you know. But there's a lot more groaning as you get older. And here in Romans Paul says, listen, the entire creation is groaning. That if we experience that inward groaning, even us as the, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we experience this universal feeling of groaning that the entire creation experiences from the cosmic level right down to the intimate level of the individual. And it's all groaning. But the beauty is, and he gives us this picture of the pains of childbirth, not a pain I've experienced myself. But from what I heard, it's not very fun, you know? And he gives us this picture of of, of the pain of childbirth. And the beauty of this picture is that at some point, that groaning culminates in glory. 
Because there's this moment then where that child is placed on the mother's chest and she just has this experience of just pure joy. And, and I, I, there's an experience for the father, but I can't imagine that moment for the mother because she's just endured all that. Dad's just over there like drinking a Gatorade, like, yeah, um, whoa, that looks rough, you know? We don't have to deal with all that. But then there's just this beautiful child that you hold in your arms. And so this picture of the groaning culminating in glory. And Paul here says, I consider that our present suffering is nothing compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. And so that's the first reason we have for hope is that. For now we find ourselves caught between groaning and glory, between this life and the next, between this worldly kingdom and the heavenly one, between what is today and what will be one day. So what do we do when we find ourselves stuck between where we are and where we are destined to be? As Paul points us, out to us, we, we hope. We hope. And then he says, listen, we don't hope for something that we already have. That's, that's not hope, right? Who hopes for what they already have? No. We hope for something that we await, that we experience in part, but one day we will experience entirely. And so he says nobody hopes for what they already have. Hope is looking forward with anticipation. It's knowing and trusting that your groaning will culminate in glory. In the classical book Pilgrim's Progress, an allegory by John Bunyan. The author, he tells this story, he uses um, just this great visual story of the Christian journey, and the, the main character is named Christian, and he's with his friend Hopeful, and they're, they're taking this journey, and there's so many just great connections that he makes throughout this story, but one of them is when they have this encounter with this giant, and the giant's name is Despair. The two pilgrims had trespassed on the giant's property and they, and they were thrown into the doubting castle. There they were tortured and they were starved and they were on the brink of despair. And suddenly, Christian exclaimed something. He had this realization. He said, what a fool am I thus to lie in a stinking dungeon when I may as well walk in liberty. I have a key in my bosom called promise that will open any door in doubting castle and so with renewed hope in their hearts the two pilgrims arose unlocked the doors and walked out again on the king's highway now Bunyan himself the author of this he was no stranger to despair after the loss of of the ones that he loved the most he says I found myself a man encompassed with infirmities the parting with my wife and poor children hath often been to me in this place as the pulling of the flesh from the bones and maybe you've been in that place where the mental pain or the emotional pain is physical in the sense that it feels like your flesh is being torn from you. Maybe you're there right now. And maybe you feel that you're on the brink of despair, hanging out in Doubting Castle, and you feel the weight of all of that. Well, we must remember that we have in our possession the key that unlocks us from the chains of despair. Well, what key is this that unlocks us from our groaning? What key is this that frees us from the giant of despair? It's one that each of us possesses. It's the hope found in the promise of the resurrection. Our hope is found in the risen Jesus. Paul, who had made his own escape from the giant despair, wrote that because of the God who raises the dead, we do not lose heart. 
That is the promise that we hold on to that unlocks all of the doors in Doubting Castle. Brennan Manning says this about it. He says that the central miracle of the gospel is not the raising of Lazarus or the multiplication of the loaves or the dramatic healing stories all taken together. The miracle of the gospel is Christ, risen and glorified, who this very moment tracks us, pursues us, abides in us, and offers himself to us as a companion for the journey. Friends, we have this hope, and with this hope, in the risen Jesus, we can be sure that the best is yet to come. We can stay tuned knowing that our groaning will culminate in glory. The next thing we can stay tuned for is that there is a new you in the making. He says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, some of us could interpret that and say that means only good things for us, right? It's just good things. No, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Sometimes when God is working for the good of those who love him, it doesn't feel so good. And sometimes it's through these moments of challenge and through these moments of heartache and heartbreak and hardship that God does something in us in working toward our good. And it says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, And this is God's ultimate aim for each and every one of us. The author and perfecter of your story aims to use every detail of your past, your present, and your future for your good and his glory. In all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. In all things good and bad, in all things expected and unexpected, in all things welcomed and unwelcomed. In every moment, high and low, in every season, in each day, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So you can be sure that right here and right now, regardless of what you're facing, regardless of what challenge lies before you or what obstacle is out in front of you, God is working for your good. Take heart, lovers of God. The Spirit of God is forming you in this very moment into the image of his Son. As Roger Gurundi, who was a famous communist philosopher, once remarked about Jesus, said, I don't know much about this man, but I do know that his whole life conveys, conveys this one message. At any moment, anyone can start a new future. It's not a bad summary. And it's in the concluding book of the story of God that we're given this encouragement. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Friends, he is making all things new. Yes, even you. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You notice that there? Those who contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. It's been said before, we become what we behold. So behold his glory. Gaze upon his goodness and glory that you might become like him, that you might be conformed into the image of his son. We were on a vacation um, 
I guess it's been kind of end of July now, and we went up to the, uh, the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania. It's my first time up there, and so we're trying to just explore the different places and things to see, just some beautiful outside. Um, we, I love outdoor-type focused vacations, and so it was one of those. And so we're just looking for, like, what do we, we do? And one of the things that was on the, like, little do this thing was a boulder field. And I'm like, what's a boulder field? Like, I'm just picturing, like, some dump truck comes out into a big field and just dumps a bunch of boulders there. Like, let's just get these boulders out of the way. And, uh, and so I was pleasantly surprised when we show up, and it's an entire field of boulders. Like, I'm talking 12 feet deep, 16 acres worth of boulders. Like, no trucks could have, like, done this. And so it's just, it's amazing, because if you were just walking along, like, wait, what? Like, there's a bunch of boulders in the middle of a, like, I, I was so impressed by this. And the whole time I'm thinking, like, how did, like, this happen? You know, like, there's just this, like, all this forest, and then here is this field of boulders. And I was, like, this is, this is pretty cool. And if you go out there, you can walk along and try not to twist your ankle and stuff like that. But this formation really, really is impressive. And I was just thinking to myself, like, man, that's pretty amazing that God could just, like, do that and drop this right here in the most unexpected of places. And then I was thinking to myself, you know, it's interesting because, like, as a pastor, I get to walk with so many people. And you just think to yourself, like, man, wow, look what God's done here. You know, like, look at what God has done here in the life of real people. And, and while that seems like a powerful mir- miracle as God uses the forces of nature to create something like that, even more impressive to me is how God directly uses his spirit to form the people of God into the image of Christ. And maybe you're thinking, you know what, like, I don't, I don't know if I'm really getting there because you look yourself in the mirror every day and you know, like, uh, you know, I still got a long way to go, Right? But you can trust that there is a new you in the making as long as God's spirit is present in you. He is forming you into and conforming you into the likeness of his son, Jesus. Now, it might be a painful process, right? God uses difficulty to shape us and hardship uh, to bring about hope in our lives. But think about that. If God could do something like that, what could he do in you? So stay tuned because he is making all things new, especially you. Stay tuned because God's goodness surrounds you. I mean, Paul drops this question on us that we should all consider, and that is, if God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, have you thought about that before? Maybe you've read it before, but have you thought about that? That the God of the galaxies, the God of the entire universe, the God that spoke everything into existence, like it was just a regular day, like just, hey, there's nothing and now there's everything, like the God who walks on water, the God that raises people up from the tomb, the God that himself raises from the dead, that same God is for you. I like him on my side, you know? I like having that God in my corner. I like knowing that that God is for me. And if that God is for me, who can be against me? I mean, what if we walked into life every day with that perspective to say, God's for me. I don't, everybody else might not be for me today, but God is for me. So who could be against me? As John Piper once pointed out, this has always stuck with me, that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. When we've gotten to the place where we just cherish his goodness so much that that is We've reached that point where it's like nothing else 
really matters in light of just the goodness of God and getting to experience that. I thought I was pretty clever a couple uh, weeks ago because our kids have been enjoying the lightning bugs. And uh, we have like in our back, we have like a backfield that we leave unmowed um, because of the lightning bugs, obviously. It's good habitat for them. And uh, so I just leave it unmowed. And, uh, but like it's beautiful like in, in kind of these dark um, nights where you just go out there and they're just everywhere. And we've done the lightning bug catching thing. And Jude especially is like the wonder on his face over these lightning bugs is like, Oh, you know, and he's too slow to really get any of them, but he's like, you know, or he gives up on one and then goes for another, and he's like chasing them around. But all of our boys have just really enjoyed, and even me as an adult, I still have this big window in the back, and I just look out, and I'm like, that is awesome. Like, that is such a cool thing, these lightning bugs. And so I've been very enamored with them. And so I started, I was like, you know what would be awesome? Is if the boys have been loving the lightning bugs, like, I'm just going to, like, put a bunch of lightning bugs in their room. And so Jess probably didn't think it was a good idea. I thought it was a great idea. I'm like, I'm going outside. So they're like doing all their bedtime stuff, and they're distracted. And I'm like, I'm just catching them. And one at a time, I'm walking them back. I'm just like, throw it in the room, you know. And I just kept doing that, kept doing that. There was probably like 10 or 15, which doesn't seem like a lot. But in that little room, like, I'm like, this is going to be awesome. Because they're just going to be sitting here in bed, and they're going to be like, whoa, like, you know, and I was like, I couldn't wait for the next morning. I was so excited for them to come into, dad, you're never going to, or even in the middle of the night, I would have been okay with that. Like, dad, there's lightning bugs in my room. Like, this is amazing. Like, so I had built this all up. And so I, we woke up the next morning. I'm just like waiting, like, why is nobody saying anything to me? Like, that was, I'm sure that was awesome in there. Like, why, what, did they all go to sleep? Like, was there, you know, were the lightning bugs not shine? Like, I couldn't figure it out. And then uh, Aiden comes up to me, and uh, he's, because uh, they normally do, like, these sleepovers in Eli's room, and, and Aiden comes up, and he's like, oh, no, we slept in my room uh, the other night, or last night. I'm like, they weren't even there to see the lightning bugs, you know? Like, there was just this magic that I had dropped and tried to, you know, and they weren't even there to see it. And I think that if we're not careful, we can have the same thing happen to us. Or God's just dropping all these little nuggets of goodness and all these little nuggets of light into our life. But when we get so fixated on the darkness, we miss out on all of the good things, big and small, that God does in our life. And God's just sitting there like, what do you think about that one? And we're like, well, man, what about this over here? You know, we're focused on the negative when God is breathing so much light and life into our lives, but he who did not spare his own son is graciously giving us all that we need. He's giving us glimpses of his glory. He's giving us just a taste of his goodness. And I love the audacity of Moses who prays this bold prayer and he just goes, God, show me your glory. Like after all that God has already done, by the way, I think he's a little, being a little greedy, but like, I mean, he had a burning bush. Like, I mean, we don't all get the burning, but he had a, he had God in a burning bush and he's like, God, show me your glory. And God's kind of like, I don't think you know what you're asking, bro, because if you see me in all of my glory, you're going to die. Like that's a, like you have, you cannot handle the pure power of my radiance. And here you are asking me to show you my glory. And so he takes Moses and he hides him in this behind this little rock. He's like, all right, now. Just hang tight, hold on tight, because I'm going to pass by, and I'll tell you what, you can't look me in the face, but you can get a glimpse of my backside as I'm kind of rolling through. And so that's exactly, so, so Moses gets this like experience of God. And I say that to say this, what if that was our prayer? That that was our desire, this is, God, just show me your glory. 
whatever that looks like, if that's just a little nugget of goodness, but what if we started out each week like with anticipation saying, you are the God that is for me. Who could be against me? Just, just show me your glory some this week. I can't wait to see how you show up in ways big and small. And I think it can be hard to do initially, but when we continue to get in the habit of reinforcing these things, we start seeing God in more and more places. And so here's my prayer. Keep letting the light in. Paul says this, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he has called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Flooding our hearts with light. God, do that more and more. And finally, I'll say this, stay tuned Because your present struggles are worth the future promise. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Paul tells us we are more than conquerors. Regardless of what you face, it's convinced that neither death nor life, angels, demons, present, future, any powers, height or depth, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are a conqueror. So hold on to that hope. We had five people last week say yes to a relationship with the God of hope who took hold of hope for the very first time. And I can just tell you, and we can kind of celebrate some of these because these are just cool moments. Those of you that made that decision. And I love all of those moments, but I love this picture. I mean, this picture to me is... And hearing her come out of the water and express what you see on her face, which was just like hope realized, like joy realized, like that to me is a picture of somebody who has taken hold of hope. And so many great moments. And I love what she had to write, Aspen, um, who uh, is the girl in the picture there, that she wrote about this moment that she took hold of hope. And she says this, I'm so grateful for this experience and to have shared it with my dad. Though we're all still human and continue to make mistakes, this is our leap into a life full of faith. I will forever cherish this in my heart and continue to spread his word. And I love that, to just leap into a life full of faith. And for some of you, you've never taken that leap. And my question for you is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And for some of you, maybe you can recall that moment in time when you had that expression on your face where you first said yes to the love of Jesus and maybe the hard seasons of life or difficulty or whatever it is has tried to choke out that hope. Well, here's my challenge to you today. Take hold of hope again. Take hold of hope again. And for those of you that are just on the journey, that are just continuing to chug along and follow Jesus to the best of your ability, let me encourage you to never let go of hope. Keep hanging on to hope because when we have hope, we have everything that we need. All that we may endure today is worth what our loving God has in store for tomorrow. There is nothing you endure today that isn't worth all that God will bring in the promise and hope of tomorrow. So our job in the meantime is to await the promised future, to keep hope alive. And we know that we can always keep hope alive because Jesus is alive. He lives in us, and he wants to continue to live through us each and every day. And so here's what I want to leave you with. It's a passage from 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, and then we're going to sing out to God one more time. We have a reason 
to continue to have hope. We have a Savior. We have a hope that never perishes. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's go to God in prayer and just give thanks for this and sing out to the God of hope this morning. God, thank you so much for your promise that unlocks us from despair, that allows us not just to break free of despair, but to truly walk in freedom. And so, God, I pray if there's anyone out there today that has never taken hold of a hope like that, God, I pray that you would convict their hearts and that you would draw them in a way that they can't resist, that they are just drawn into a relationship with you. And so, God, we pray that you would keep working in our lives, that for those of us that maybe have lost sight of our hope a little bit, God, I pray that you would drop a little light in our life, whatever it looks like, God, and just help us to take hold of it and help us to smile upon it and thank you for it. So, God, we just want to express a spirit of gratitude to you and thank you for the hope that only comes through the powerful name of Jesus. And it's in his name.